Happy Monday, everybody. It's the 14th day of October. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. DG not in the house. Scott Hamilton here in DGC. DG on this Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day out discovering new lands or doing DG stuff. And I can tell you this. If David Glenn were off pioneering or whatever you call they did back in the day when they would go off, I guess, discover new lands, he would do it very differently than the aforementioned Christopher Columbus. Yeah, I would hope so. There would be no burning of the villages, no pillaging, no mass murder, genocide, whatever other word you want to use. It'd be like, hey, man, let's just all get along. We're going to take a little parcel of land over here. And we're just going to chill out. Let's have a good time. Peace and love. That's how David Glenn would do it. That's how I'm certain he is doing it right now. But more than likely, DG, either on a beach or a golf course or doing something really awesome. It'd be good to be DG for just a minute. But I get to pretend I'm David Glenn for the next three hours on this best and worst of the weekend. Monday, 1-800-849-2761. And we had a lot of best. We had a lot of worst. First and foremost, at least here in the Tar Heel State and the Carolinas at large, I guess, because the team does have the name Carolina straddling North Carolina and South Carolina. Carolina Panthers suddenly on a win streak. One win is good, two wins really good, three wins, that's when a streak begins. Four wins, they're hot, ho-ho, hot. The Panthers 37 to 26 over in jolly old London beat the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers just beat them like a month ago, Darren. Darren Vaught, by the way, behind the glass. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I didn't properly acknowledge you as I should have. I, I am, it's okay. I am it's remorseful. Okay. I am contrite. <laughs> Kyle Allen, he's not contrite. He's 4-0. He's got nothing to be contrite about. He has yet to throw an interception. Yet to throw an interception. Things just look differently. And I, you know who else looks differently? Riverboat Ron Rivera. Rewind one month. Panthers were 0-2. They're coming off a bad loss to those Buccaneers. At home, at home, we're questioning Riverboat Ron's decision-making. We're, 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 his job. I, I've got an agent friend. I've got an agent friend telling me the Panthers were already reaching out for their next head coach. You want to guess who they're saying? You want to guess who this agent told me, Darren? I'll give you one guess on air right now. Give me a name. Oh, you're choking. Uh, no, I, I, um, I'm, with, I'm, I'm withholding my guess. Dan Mullen. Now, this agent friend of mine is a legit dude. And he had heard from another dude, who I presume is a legit dude, that the Panthers were already making soft overtures to Dan Mullen, now the coach of Florida. They're already preparing for this to be a lost season, full rebuild mode. They were going to have to move forward without Cam Newton face of the franchise for Lord knows how long. Things were bad, but guess what? 4-0 and since then. Kyle Allen's emergence, biggest headline. The dude has been unbelievable. Christian McCaffrey, best player in the NFL right now? Maybe. And the defense with lovable Luke Keekley. He is lovable. He's, he's delightful. He's so darling. Dude, he's too cute to be a linebacker. Nah, he looks like he should be the Jonas Brothers' older big brother. You know, big, like literally bigger brother. He has driven that defense hard. And they've played well. But don't forget about Riverboat Ron. Don't forget about Riverboat Ron. He's had the team through rough starts before, 
and able to make hay of it. I think of the season, was it 2014, 2015, even when they went 15 and one, you know, they didn't look great, even though they were winning. Then they started to look pretty darn dominant on their way to the Super Bowl. He's got them playing well. The defense, special teams, seven turnovers during that. Sp that's a lot. McCaffrey, two touchdowns yesterday. Again, fantastic. Kyle Allen, two touchdowns. Generally just looks solid. And what more do you really need? You don't need a quarterback, a Tom Brady in his prime, Tom Brady at times even now, who can go out and dominate. You just need somebody that's not going to lose the game because you do have that little running back. Is he a running back? I just call him a football player. Christian McCaffrey can do it all. You've got him in the backfield. You've got a core of wide receivers that are becoming more and more reliable and more and more dangerous. You've still got that tight end. You can lean on when you need him, even though he's not getting anywhere near as many targets as he used to get. And you've got that defense. So you don't need Kyle Allen to go out there and be the second coming of Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, whoever you want to name, Joe Montana, Steve Young, go on back. You don't need it. Now, here's where we're going to find out how much mental wherewithal and fortitude Ron Rivera possesses. His biggest challenge is still ahead of him, Darren. At some point, Cam Newton, former most valuable player in the NFL, face of the franchise for a decade, he's going to return from a foot injury. He's going to come back. The Panthers are playing pretty well without him, and if Cam isn't going to be a running quarterback anymore, you could make the argument that maybe Kyle Allen is the better option. I know that's heresy. I know that's blasphemy. But it could be the case. It will be the case. There will be people for various reasons, let's face it, that are going to just say, no, it's got to be Kyle Allen. He's 4-0, blah, blah, blah. But Cam Newton is still pretty darn good quarterback, even if he can't run. But the thing that makes him a special quarterback is his ability to run. His ability to bulldog over linebackers, defensive backs, defensive ends, popcorn vendors, everybody. He just, bam, plows right over them. When that day comes, and it will come unless the wheels completely fall off the Kyle Allen bus, Ron Rivera is going to have a very difficult decision to make. Very difficult decision to make because the Panthers should feel pretty darn good about the way things are going right now. And they're going to lean on him hard. Uh, you have to wonder if David Tepper, not Mr., he's gone, David Tepper, if he's going to weigh in on this. I have to think he will. I have to think he will have a lot to say about this. And we're going to have a lot to say about this throughout the program. What's the future? Right now, let's enjoy the present. Four straight wins. Four straight wins. I'm already projecting draft picks a month ago. I'm like, well, you know, if the, they go here, they go there. Now, it can still fall apart. We've seen it happen. But the way things are going right now, you have to think they're going to go to the playoffs. The worst thing that could happen, they get to that 8-8 eight and eight purgatory where you might get in the playoffs, then you get steamrolled in the first round, or you don't get in the playoffs, and you still get a bad spot in the draft. It's purgatory. There is no good. In the NFL, you want to be good, like really good, or you want to be awful, tanking, like the Dolphins. You don't want to be in that middle ground, and I know that's the atmosphere in which the NFL says it thrives best when there's parity across the board. Dude, nobody wants to be 8-8. Eight 8-8 eight. Eight eight is, well, if Darren, do you, you don't have a sister, do you? Because it would be like you kissing your real or imaginary <laughs> sister. No, two brothers, no sister.
Two brothers, no sister. Darren, can you believe it's week eight coming up in college football? Week eight. Yeah, we're over halfway through. We are. And, and I'm going I'm going to throw this out there. I've, I've been pondering this for the first past few hours on my drive here to the David Glenn's palatial headquarters. Is October the best month for sports? I'm going to throw that out there. I think October, by far, the best month for sports. Look, you could talk about March Madness, NCAA tournament. That's great. That is great. That butters our bread here in ACC land. But it's one single standalone event, and if you're not digging college basketball, brother, you're out. You're done for. You got some golf. You know, the players is back to March now. You've got NASCAR. What else you have? Combine? That's in February. Get ready for the draft, I guess. But October, you've got college football, which is really starting to separate itself. We're starting to figure out who the best teams are, which is an entirely different narrative than we had going into the season because it was assumed it was Clemson, Alabama, and then everybody else. No, very different landscape in college football, and we're going to discuss that from start to finish of this program. You've got Major League Baseball playoffs, which I am actually finding myself being interested again for the first time in quite a while, and I don't know why. It just seems a little more compelling this year. Yeah, it was cool, what, 2016 when you had the Cubs and the Indians and history and all that, curses, blah, blah, blah. But other than that, baseball hasn't really held my attention for a long time. I'm kind of interested this year. I'm, I'm giving it a little attention. So you've got that. NASCAR playoffs, and it, I still cringe when I have to adhere to the messaging that the, that the grand poobah of NASCARs have said, oh, it's playoffs. It's the chase. Dude, you started this. 12 years ago. It's the chase. I'm going to call it the chase. Darren, in the, it's the chase. You can bleep me off, you know, beep, and put in playoff or whatever to keep your NASCAR-loving advertisers happy. I'm going to say the chase. So you got the chase rolling. By the way, the race at Talladega delayed. We're going to get some more info on that and see when that thing's done. It's up and running here in a few hours, I imagine, this afternoon. And I liked it when that race was an elimination race in these segments. Talladega's already off the hook. It was incredible when it was an elimination race. But I digress. So you've got college football. NFL really getting going. Panthers, four straight wins. Major League Baseball playoffs. NASCAR. NBA. Exhibition season for NBA is right here. It's the best, best month for sports. Give me another one, Darren. Which one is even close? There's no other one. I, all right. So I do like, I mean, obviously, I love postseason baseball. But in March, we get the 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 finale of college basketball which to me is about as good as it gets and baseball re-entering our sports consciousness it's tough to beat march for me i think you're you've got the haze from the the sweet smelling flowers in your eyes maybe a little bit and that has something to do with it and i dig it you know i maybe the fall foliage 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 whatever the leaves Maybe that's got me th seeing things a little differently. Some red and orange and brown lenses through which I'm viewing and checking out sure. everything. But you're, you named two things. That's only two. I named like seven. Well, it's quantity, five. bro. But it's it have good to be quantity. Quality. It's not like, you know, all right, we've got curling. We've got, <laughs> you know, it's good. And if, if you dig even deeper, yeah, guess what? PGA Tour is still playing, dude. It's, it's new season just started a few weeks ago. True. So you've got that if you need a golf fix. There's so much going on. It's, 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 it's too much almost. Best month for sports. And this past weekend, one of the best months for college football, one of the best weekends for college football, and it's only going to get better. 
and I I saw who I think, and we've got a lot of guests. I'm going to ask this question. I saw what I think is the best team in the country. I think the LSU Tigers are the best team in the country right now. And they're scoring lots of points, lots of points, something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. The way LSU is putting up points is unparalleled, not only in the history of that program, but I'm willing to say it's pretty darn close to the history of that conference, the SEC. I know Alabama's scored a ton of points. Florida's put up a lot of points. But what LSU is doing is super-duper impressive. And the quarterback, I got this stat today. And this one blew my mind. And we're talking about Joe Burrow, transfer quarterback from Ohio State to LSU. And, and the problem with Les Miles when he was the coach at LSU was you can't develop a quarterback. You're playing that old Bo Schimbeckler, you know, grind it out. Woody Hayes, three yards in a cloud of dust and all that. Got to come into the 21st century. Well, Coach O takes over. Oh, Coach O. We got to get some Coach O on this show, Darren. That make, make intern Will dig up some classic Coach O. We'll talk more about him later. This blew my mind. We are going into week eight, as I said. Joe Burrow, 80% passing. 80%, he's completing 80% of his passes, and he's not doing it, doing it against the Sisters of the Poor. Florida, pretty good defense, dude. Miami looked pretty good over the weekend, beat Virginia. Good. Texas, Texas actually slowed down Oklahoma. Pretty darn good offense right there. And this guy's completing 80% of his passes. How, Coach O, the quarterback whisperer. Coach O, because you can't understand what he's saying. Maybe it, maybe, maybe it's only translated if you're an elite-level quarterback and you have Ed Orgeron whispering into your ear. And, and suddenly the field just opens up. And you're able to hit hit that button hook. You're able to hit that 15-yard out. And, hey, the skinny post over splitting the cover two defense. Joe Burrow does it all. And Ed Ogeron. And I can't wait. We've got Peter Burns from the SEC Network joining us at 1.30. I'm going to talk to him about Ed Orgeron pre-LSU. Now, I remember Coach O when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. 3-21. and 21. Boom. Gone. Fired. I remember Ed Orgeron when he was the interim coach when our friend Joey Freshwater, real name Lane Kiffin, was canned at the tarmac at LAX as the coach of the Southern Cal Trojans. They didn't keep him. Wasn't a good fit. Well, it's because the people in SoCal can't understand. Blah, 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 blah. He's 6-0 and at LSU, man. He's come home. They raging Cajun. Ed Orgeron has come home to LSU. They're 6-0, and and I think they're the best team in the country. We're going to see if Peter Burns agrees. And I'm also going to throw this out there as we dive deeper into some college football throughout this program. We, we talk about the ACC having a down year. Yeah, it's Clemson and everybody else. And even Clemson doesn't look like Clemson right now. And that's fine. That fuels Dabo Sweeney's fire. He likes the disrespect or the perceived disrespect. But is it better than it was three weeks ago? I've started to look at the conference through different lenses, through different glasses over the past month. And I'm going to ask Andrea Adelson of ESPN, who covers the ACC, am I, am I seeing things correctly? Is the conference trending in the right direction? And I'm going to give you Exhibit A, Louisville, with our friend Scott Satterfield from here in the Triangle, from Appalachian State. He's now the head coach of the Cardinals, and it's Louisville, Darren. Not Louisville, not Louisville, it's Louisville. Well, Louisville 
beat an undefeated Wake Forest team 62 to 59. I never thought, again, like LSU putting up points, I never thought I would see a Dave Clawson team give up 62 points. That's, that's un, un, unheard of. And the domino effect, and I pointed this out to you earlier, Darren. I'm going to tell everybody this. Scott Satterfield, tremendous success taking over for the legendary Jerry Moore at Appalachian State. Not only ruined Wake Forest's chances at an undefeated season, knocked Wake Forest out of the AP Top 25, and in went Appalachian State at number 24. It's a triple Satterfield whammy. Boom, boom, boom. He took care of his peeps in Boone. So you're wondering, Louisville, way ahead of schedule, four and two. Coach of the year? Is it a coach of the year? I don't know. We're going to ask that question. We'll ask Andrea Adelson that question. And then at 2.30, we've got Nicole Arbach of the Athletic, Athletic as well as Sirius XM and the Big Ten Network to find out all things going on through there. We're going to discuss the race at large. And, of course, the Panthers manning a four-game win streak. And along with your calls, remember, it's the best and the worst of the weekend. 1-800-849-2761. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. We're just getting started. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. October, best month for sports. I'm throwing that out there. It's also a best and worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. We'll be taking your calls later in the program. In about 10 minutes, we've got Houston Nutt, former head coach at Arkansas. He's in Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. Got some other stuff going on. He's now an analyst for CBS. And I've, I've got this question for Coach Nutt. How did we get to this point where offenses are just really racking up video game like numbers i mean they're expected to and it's not just but it's not just one or two and it's not because they're doing something exotic like back in the days when the houston cougars unveiled the run and shoot or even the the fun and gun gun and fun steve spurrier head ball coach days or anything no it's everybody's doing kind of the same stuff this spread offense with the rpos and the run game is basically a slant how did we get to this point? Where is it going next? That, maybe that's the question. What's next? Where do you go from here? How do you how do you evolve from something that seems to have already maxed out? I mean, can it can it get better? I I mentioned Joe Burrow earlier, 80% passing going into week 8 against some pretty good teams. That's that's unheard of. I I, I look at the top 4 teams in scoring. Top four offenses in the country, LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Would those also be the top four teams, the four teams in the college football playoff semifinals? I think so right now, yes. Clemson, Clemson Tigers, flag bearers of the ACC, got the whole conference on its back. 15th, 15th in offense. The only way I think Clemson gets in right now, Darren, right now, is if the loser of Alabama LSU doesn't look really good from there. Because I still think they'll take two SEC teams. I do. Hold, hold on, hold on. 
we got to clear this up. Are you saying that if Clemson goes undefeated it's, and wins the ACC? I haven't finished my thought. I know what you're saying. Yeah, because here's why. Here's why. They, the Clemson right now has this terrible, terrible perception of it. Well, people have a perception of it because of the UNC game. And that's typical, though, because it had a tough game. So people are looking down on it. And I'm thinking that if the loser of LSU Alabama, if it's a good game, now let's, there's a lot of factors involved here. If that's a good game, and then that that team doesn't look good the rest of the year, Clemson gets in. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I, I understand what you're saying. I just I have a hard time believing that under An any circumstances, conference championship, the undefeated conference ACC champion. champion would not get in, especially being ranked as highly as Clemson Correct. was in the preseason and, and to begin things. But I'm yeah. saying it's not a sure thing. It's not a sure thing. Nothing in this world is sure. Nothing is certain. And maybe I should have led up to that better. But they, they, people have this image of Clemson right now because of that day it struggled in Chapel Hill. The people on the selection committee are going to go, but mm, remember that game. Meanwhile, you've got Oklahoma annihilating people. You've got Alabama annihilating people. You've got LSU annihilating people and beating good teams the way they should. They haven't had a tough game. Who's challenged Oklahoma, really? Who's challenged Bama or LSU? Bama and LSU are going to play, same division, cancel each other out. If it's a good game and Clemson stumbles again, all bets are off, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. And people are going to look at this stat. Top four offenses. It's all about offenses, dude. If you can't score, you're not going to get in. It's a fact. Because honestly, I, I would like to see Wisconsin in. They're not going to get in because they, they don't live in that same air that Bama and LSU and Oklahoma and Ohio State are, are breathing. Does that make sense? Did I explain myself better? I think I did a poor job at the start, and I'm sorry. I'm a professional communicator. I should have done a better job, but it's, it's still early. That's what I'm here. Follow-up questions, right? I, I'm going to eat this banana during the break, and I'm going to get ready for our guest. Houston Nutt, former head coach, Arkansas, now an analyst for CBS. I'm going to ask him that question. What do we do about these offenses? What do the coaches do about these offenses? Are you, is it preordained? Is it as certain as death and taxes that LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State are right now are the top four teams in the country? And what happens with Clemson if they can't keep up? By the way, Oklahoma's defense looked pretty good, which is scary over the weekend. Houston Nutt joining us on the other side. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest, former head coach at Arkansas, he's in Murray State Hall of Fame, Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. He's now an analyst for CBS Sports. Coach Houston Nutt, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. Coach, we're glad to have you on, and this is one of those Mondays where I just continue to scratch my head because I can't believe I live in a world where the LSU Tigers are the number one offensive team in the country. <laughs> Isn't it something? Well, you know, we think about so many years of seeing 
you know, an ISO to the right and maybe a sweep to the left and and uh, maybe one or two formations before you look up. You just got to give so much credit to Coach Ensminger and Coach Brady, uh, the what they designed and what they did. And then you add a guy like Joe Burrow from last year and how much better he is this year. Man, it's fun to watch. And those receivers are, are so – uh, man, just electric. They're, they're, they can create separation. They can make things happen. But uh, they got it They got it rolling, and uh, to me, it's just so much credit. You just got to give it to Joe Burrow. 21 of 24 uh, Saturday night in a great atmosphere, and, uh, boy, he knows where to go with the football. Fun to watch. Yeah, you, you mentioned Joe Brady, and I have to think that he's the next Lincoln Riley because he, he's 30 years old, and what he has done down there, as you mentioned, is just nothing short of phenomenal. And, of course, it helps when you have a Joe Burrow. But can you can you kind of tell us a little more about Joe Brady? I mean, a lot of people don't know anything about him. Yeah. Well, you know what? I didn't know too much about him either and until this year. And, and when you come on the scene, and, and I'm, I'm familiar with LSU, of course, played him so many times, and, and – um, you just, you just, boy, you just got to take your hat off to him with the things that he's doing now. Uh, you know, when you see four wides, you see three wides. They, they spread in the field, uh, running, running vertical routes, horizontal routes, doing all these different things. And I tell you, the thing that to me that was impressive is all of a sudden now also the running game starts taking off, and that's what a good passing game does. Is okay. I got to defend. I got to let's get too deep. Let's make sure we cover, maybe put nickel in here. Then all of a sudden you hand the ball off to Clyde Edwards, and he takes off. And that's where you keep a defense off balance. So, uh, of course, uh, Coach Brady, you know, has the experience that he, when, he's, when he was, I'm sure he learned so much when he's a New Orleans Saint. And you bring that knowledge and bring that to, to LSU. And this is where, to me, you got to give it to Coach O, Coach Ed Orgeron, because you know, he was willing to say, I'm going to get the best people I can. And, you know, change is hard. Change is hard for everybody. When you've done something one way and you've done something a specific way and, and, and you know, you've been successful at doing something, all of a sudden, you know, thing about this world that we live in right now, especially in college football, things is changing. It's changing every day. And when you look at the offenses, there's a lot of change. And, you know, we see the RPOs. We see up-tempo. But I still believe this, the team that's going to run the ball the best and stop the run the best is going to win. But is, is it traditional running, though, Coach? Because it seems to me, and I've heard a lot of other people say this, and you're, you're the expert, you tell me if I'm wrong, that the way they used to run the football, the way we used to run the football, completely different. We've got all these jet sweeps and that, and that to some extent even slants are a version of, of a run. Right. Right. It, it is different. It is different. Um, and when you when you see the, the the different formations, you see jet sweeps, you see uh, you, you you play action, and you think everybody's got run action going on, and and that's what makes it so difficult for defenses when you put that ball in the back belly, and you ride in there for a little bit, and then the linemen are coming off with a flat back. Well, naturally the linebackers think, hey, I got to go stop this run, and then all of a sudden now there's windows behind them where they they left their their post and the, you got slants and and uh quick post behind it it's just, it's just unbelievable and it's, it's fun to watch and uh it is different it's, it's different there's no doubt about it but it is the thing that's not different is when you're the most physical team mm -hmm. 
and uh, you're you're the most consistent team of taking care of the football, and the the ones that can tackle now in space the best, man, that's that's the difference. Where, where does all this go next, Coach? Because we, we're looking at this 21st century offense and just how much it's progressed, not even over the past 20 years, but over the past five years, just how different everything is. What what's the next step? I mean, how how do you enhance this even further over the next three, four, five, six years? Well, you know, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know. It's hard to look in a crystal ball right now uh, when things are going so good. So this is probably going to be here for a little while. But again, I think with formations and getting you the ball in the hands of playmakers, I don't think that'll ever go away. So that imagination and all those things that are that are happening. When I see screens and these tunnel screens and, and these RPOs with that mixture of a physical run, man, it's hard to stop. So I, I just see a lot more of that coming and a lot more different, you know, with motions and formations. I just think they're going to keep adding to that. Do, do you think we've seen the traditional running back, though, go go away? I mean, I, I don't see if over the next 10 years, 20 years, another running back winning the Heisman Trophy just because there's not such a traditional role anymore. That running back now goes out and plays slot and does a lot of other things. Yeah, I, I still think a, a running back can win it, though, because of this. You just mentioned something that when, when, you, when you have that tailback that's a good runner, you hand him the ball, hand the ball, and then you do move him out as a, as a receiver and the one that catches the ball out of the backfield, uh, I, I think it's, that's still valuable. And you can say it's not traditional, but it's traditional when he gets this ball underneath his arm and he tucks it away and he starts breaking tackles and running. I, I still think there's there's a place for the best player that, that is such a difference maker where you got to account for him every play because you can hand it to him or you can throw it to him. So I, I still think there's a chance for a guy like that to win win the trophy. We're joined by Houston Nutt. You can follow him on Twitter at CBS Coach Nutt. And Coach, one of the games that had my attention, and I got to watch it on and off for most of Saturday, was South Carolina's win at Georgia. And that's always a pretty good game. Two state rivals right beside each other, SEC East matchup. But when I watch Georgia, they, they've got the talent. I see a roster full of All-Americans and five-star players, and I see a pretty darn good football coach over there in Kirby Smart, but they just don't have that same swagger as an Alabama and LSU or even an Oklahoma or Ohio State. In you and your expert opinion, and I, I know you might not want to ruffle too many feathers, but tell us what you will, are they too conservative? Are they afraid to think outside the box and that they are so daggone stubborn they're determined to play traditional football, run the ball, play defense? Well, you know, when we look at the first five games, you know, now we, everybody was pretty high on Georgia. And and I heard just, just two weeks ago, well, you got to give it to Kirby. You know, he believes in what he believes in, and they're old traditional uh, with a tailback and play action off of it, and things were rolling pretty good until you, you ran into South Carolina, who uh, they also had two chin straps buckled up. They played extremely hard, very physical, and did a great job. And so naturally, that's going to cause uh, questions about, hey, you got to you got to open it up more, you got to spread it out more, you got to do more things, and all that. I still believe in Jake Fromm. I, I, I still believe that that he can get the job done. DeAndre Swift, we we've seen him operate, and these receivers that are coming. I, I still think there's a lot of good things ahead of him, and they still control their destiny on that eastern side. So I wouldn't be too quick to say. Hey, they got to start opening up. They got to start changing. Um, when you look at that film, you'll go back and say, "Wait a minute, 
we dropped a ball here, they intercepted it. We forced a ball here, they intercepted it. We turned it over. They didn't really stop us as much as we stopped ourselves. So I think there's, there, I still think it's a little early to kind of jump on uh, the wagon of saying, hey, you got to change everything now and change that playbook. There was one part during the game, though, it made me scratch my head. They, uh, South Carolina had it fourth and three. I think it was on the Georgia 40. And instead of going for it, and there's about a minute and a half left, they decided to kick like a 58-yard field goal. And, of course, they missed it. What what would you have done in that instance? Was that the right call? Uh, well, I know, again, setting up in the studio, eating popcorn, drinking Coca-Cola, <laughs> it's pretty easy. Um, but, you know, my gut instinct is to go. You know, I, I've always been pretty aggressive. I, I want to go right there. Uh, but, again, you know, I, I hadn't been with them all week in, 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 in and. You know, I I don't really know the true thoughts of you know he has a, a he he's seen that kicker many many more times than I have, and uh, so I, I just I don't know it just seemed like to me you're probably gone right there for it. All right, coach. Before we let you go, give us your top four teams. Woo, top four. I'm going to stay with Alabama. Um, I I got to have LSU in there, Ohio State. And I, I've been going back and forth between Clemson and OU, so I'm going to say Clemson right now. But uh, well, I tell you what, I love watching OU play. All right, he's former coach Houston Nutt. He's now an analyst for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at CBS Coach Nutt. Coach, been a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right, it's Houston Nutt, CBS Sports analyst, former coach at Arkansas, former coach at Ole Miss, and. I, I watched that South Carolina game sporadically. Uh, some of us had things to do. And I watched Georgia, and I just I can't help but think that he's so stubborn. Once the, yeah, I get it. Stick to your guns, play traditional, and, you know, old school. Run the football, stop the run. And those are pillars of winning football since the days of John Heisman. But even King Nick Saban has evolved with the times. Look. Two things that have made Nick Saban the greatest college football coach ever and Mike Krzyzewski the greatest basketball coach ever, I'm going to throw that out there, has been their abilities to evolve with the times, to change when change was required. Nick Saban said, well, I'll never have a mobile quarterback. I'm going to play it like this and that. Well, they kind of threw that out the window a couple years ago. That one year they didn't win a championship. <laughs> And you had Jalen Hurts and then Tua, who's more mobile than you realize. Kirby Smart's got the players. He's done a fantastic job recruiting. He's got to figure out the proper way to really leverage them in order to keep up. Because right now, those top four teams, and again, he agreed with me to a certain extent. I don't think Clemson's top four yet. Yet. But to a certain extent, it's those high-scoring teams that are the elite in the country. And you don't have to have a good defense, Darren, just good enough. Just good enough. You don't want to get in a tennis match. That's what Oklahoma was doing last year. Tennis, tennis, just holding serve, tennis. Now they're stopping people, which is frightening, frightening. Because the Big 12 last year was just, well, the last team, team has the ball last going to win. Uh, Oklahoma's kind of thrown that narrative out the window. Georgia's got the players. And I still think they have the coach. He's just got to be able to say, I, I might want to do something a little different. Best and worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. Give us what you got. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.
Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. NASCAR about ready to go here a little over an hour. I love this name. God, this, this is a big time event. The 1000bulbs.com 500. This is a chase race. I'm not going to say the P word. <laughs> Playoff. 1000bulbs.com 500 at Talladega. I love when sponsor names Good God. also incorporate big numbers because there's going to be a number to, to, <laughs> to denote the mileage. 1000bulbs.com 500. That's too much math. 1000 that's terrible. And that's that's a big time race. You know. It's the fifth fifth chase race. Not saying the P word. It's going to start at 2 o'clock, NBC Sports Network. Stage 2. With the beginning of Stage 2, William Byron, young William Byron. He's in front right now. Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., not Mr. Danica, as I used to refer to him. He's done well since they parted ways, amicably, I presume. Brad Kozlowski, fifth. So the 1000bulbs.com 500. It's going to start at 2 o'clock. It's the best and the worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. The biggest topic of the weekend, probably, at least in these parts, Carolina Panthers. Four straight victories after that 0-2 start, all with Kyle Allen at quarterback. No interceptions for Kyle Allen. He's off to a tremendous start. Let's go over and take your calls now. We've got Steve waiting patiently in Apex. Steve, how you doing? Pretty good, Scott. Scott, 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 Scott. I listened to you when you came on, my man. This is no swipe against, but I disagree with every single thing you uttered just about. Okay, we'll start with Kyle Allen. I mean, we'll start with Ron Rivera at the beginning. Ron Rivera hasn't done anything other than what he should have been done last year when Cam Newton was hurt. Put another quarterback in there, let him get well. Cam Newton's not accurate, so he's not going to ever be a great quarterback. He'll be serviceable. Right now, we should trade him, get out from under the salary cap with money. And then, you know, why he's worth something. Get rid of him. Go ahead and start searching for a quarterback. Don't have him come back win enough games to screw up the draft. So if we're going to ride Kyle Allen, let's ride him, win, lose, or draw, and see where that pans out. Okay, and getting to the college thing. There's no way under the earth that we don't sit here and say, okay, because I was hearing all year long Georgia was the best team. Then I heard Ohio State was the best team. But the last time Georgia just got smacked by a team that Carolina beat that almost beat Clemson. So, therefore, we sit around judging on who we think is this, that, and the third. So, therefore, the way I judge it on college football, if Alabama won the championship last year, be number one to somebody beat you. And then, because if you ain't number one, it's going to get exposed, trust me. You will move somebody up. LSU, my top four is Clemson, Alabama, LSU, and, and uh, Ohio State. I will never put Oklahoma in there because they still the Big 12, still don't play defense. That's a history of them. So, yeah, they, Hurts looks good on offense, but right now there's nobody in these top four teams that going to ever score 48 points on Clemson. So you can forget that part. And then we'll just see how it pans out. Clemson can lose, but nobody in this top great playoff that we got going on right now that I like. There's nobody else. There's not one single team going to put 48 points on Clemson, period. Steve brings the energy. I like it. Appreciate the call, Steve. Let's work it back to front. Let's work it back to front. Your second comment regarding the Clemson Tigers. Can't make them number one. 
Last year's team ain't this year's team. Totally different. But Dabo will be the first one to tell you that. And that's why it's unfair. And this is me. This is me saying this right now in favor of the Clemson Tigers. It is unfair to say, oh, they always have a bad game before they go on and win everything. They talk about the loss to Syracuse, the near loss to Syracuse, the loss to Pitt. In 2016, nuh-uh, it's not apples to apples. That was a different team. That is not just coach speak. That is the God's honest truth. You look at that defense from last year, where are those guys at? They still got a good defense, probably even a great defense, but not those guys that just took off to the NFL. Very different team. Very different team. Though I do appreciate the energy. I, re I respect that. Respect that very much. Now, back to the Ron Rivera point. And there's a couple of things here we have to consider. First of all, I'm going to give Riverboat Ron the credit for keeping Kyle Allen on the roster to begin with. Remember, this is an undrafted free agent that was stuck on the practice squad. But he had the sense to keep him on the roster, and it's worked out pretty darn well for him. Now, going back to last year, Cam has had that, Cam has had that franchise in a bad position for a few years. And I always go back to this. 2016 season, 2016-2017 season, not going to the playoffs. Cam played the entire month of December with a messed up shoulder. They knew it was hurt. They let him play because he wanted to play. Irresponsible. Irresponsible not only to the player, Cam Newton, former MVP, irresponsible to the future of the franchise. Too much is tied into him. You can't let that happen. They should have shut him down immediately. But no, they let him play. Who knows how much worse that damage got on that shoulder. He'll never be the same. Make no mistake about it. Which brings me to my next point, Steve. And again, Steve, wonderful call. I like the energy. Steve, Steve, I like it. Who are you going to trade him for? He's broke down, man. He's broke down. Now, I'm not saying you keep him. Because I do think there's a significant difference in cap dollars if he is released. And I'm not saying that's the way to go either. But... Ain't nobody going to take a broken quarterback because he's not going to be the Cam Newton of 2015 ever again. That's that's just my two cents. Best and worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. It's the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.